Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Teaching for Truth. Introduction. Yes, you are blessed indeed, yet in this world you do not know it, but you have the means for learning it and seeing it quite clearly. The Holy Spirit uses logic as easily and as well as does the ego, except that his conclusions are not insane. They take a direction exactly opposite, pointing as clearly to heaven as the ego points to darkness and to death. We have followed much of the ego's logic and have seen its logical conclusions. And having seen them, we have realized that they cannot be seen except in illusions, for there alone their seeming clearness seems to be clearly seen. Let us now turn away from them and follow the simple logic by which the Holy Spirit teaches the simple conclusions that speak for truth and only truth. Part 1. The Conditions of Learning If you are blessed and do not know it, you need to learn it must be so. The knowledge is not taught, but its conditions must be acquired for it. But its conditions must be acquired for it is they that have been thrown away. You can learn to bless and cannot give what you have not. If then you offer blessing, it must come first to yourself and you must also have accepted it as yours, for how else could you give it away? That is why miracles offer you the testimony that you are blessed. If what you offer is complete forgiveness, you must have let guilt go, accepting the atonement for yourself and learning you are guiltless. How could you learn what has been done for you, unknown to you, unless you do what you would have to do if it had been done for you? Indirect proof of truth is needed in a world made of denial and without direction. You will perceive the need for this if you realize that to deny is the decision not to know. The logic of the world must therefore lead to nothing, for its goal is nothing. If you decide to have and give and be nothing except a dream, you must direct your thoughts unto oblivion. And if you have and give and are everything, and all this has been denied, your thought system is closed off and wholly separated from the truth. This is an insane world, and do not underestimate the extent of its insanity. There is no area of your perception that it has not touched, and your dream is sacred to you. That is why God placed the Holy Spirit in you, where you placed the dream. Seeing is always outward Were your thoughts wholly of you, the thought system you made would be forever dark. 
the thoughts uh, the mind of God's son projects or extends have all the power that he gives to them. The thoughts he shares with God are beyond his belief, but those he made are his beliefs, and it is these and not the truth that he has chosen to defend and love. They will not be taken from him, but they can be given up by him, for the source of their undoing is in him. There is nothing in the world to teach him that the logic of the world is totally insane and leads to nothing. Yet in him who made this insane logic, there is one who knows it leads to nothing, for he knows everything. Any direction that would lead you where the Holy Spirit leads you not goes nowhere. Anything you deny that he knows to be true, you have denied yourself, and he must therefore teach you not to deny it. Undoing is indirect as doing is. You were created only to create, neither to see nor do. These are but indirect expressions of the will to live, which have been blocked by the capricious and unholy whim of death and murder that your father does not share with you. You have set yourself the task of sharing what cannot be shared, and while you think it is possible to learn to do this, you will not believe all that is possible to learn to do. The Holy Spirit, therefore, must begin his teaching by showing you what you can never learn. His message is not indirect, but he must introduce the simple truth into a thought system which has become so twisted and so complex you cannot see that it means nothing. He merely looks at its foundation and dismisses it. But you who cannot undo what you have made, nor escape the heavy burden of its dullness that lies upon your mind cannot see through it. It deceives you because you chose to deceive yourself. Those who choose to be deceived will merely attack direct approaches because they seem to encroach upon deception and strike at it. Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 2, The Happy Learner. The Holy Spirit needs a happy learner in whom his mission can be happily accomplished. You who are steadfastly devoted to misery must first recognize that you are miserable and not happy. The Holy Spirit cannot teach without this contrast, for you believe that misery is happiness. This has so confused you that you have undertaken to learn to do what you can never do, believing that unless you learn it, you will not be happy. You do not realize that the foundation on which this most peculiar learning goal depends means absolutely nothing yet it may still make sense to you. 
Have faith in nothing and you will find the treasure that you seek. Yet you will add another burden to your already burdened mind. You will believe that nothing is of value and will value it. A little piece of glass, a speck of dust, a body, or a war are up, are one to you. For if you value one thing made of nothing, you have believed that nothing can be precious and that you can learn how to make the untrue true. The Holy Spirit, seeing where you are but knowing you are elsewhere, begins his lesson in simplicity with the fundamental teaching that truth is true. This is the hardest lesson you will ever learn, and in the end, the only one. Simplicity is very difficult for twisted minds. Consider all the distortions you have made of nothing, all the strange forms and feelings and actions and reactions that you have woven out of it. Nothing is so alien to you as the simple truth, and nothing are you less inclined to listen to. The contrast between what is true and what is not is perfectly apparent, yet you do not see it. The simple and the obvious are not apparent to those who would make palaces and royal robes of nothing, believing they are kings with golden crowns because of them. All this the Holy Spirit sees and teaches simply that all this is not true. To those unhappy learners who would teach themselves nothing and delude themselves into believing that it is not nothing, the Holy Spirit says with steadfast quietness, The truth is true. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is real. And everything beside it is not there. Let me make the one distinction for you that you cannot make but need to learn. Your faith in nothing is deceiving you. Offer your faith to me and I will place it gently in the holy place where it belongs. You will find no deception there, but only the simple truth. And you will love it because you will understand it. Like you, the Holy Spirit did not make truth. Like God, he knows it to be true. He brings the light of truth into the darkness and lets it shine on you. And as it shines, your brothers see it. And realizing that this light is not what you have made, they see in you more than you see. They will be happy learners of the lesson this light brings to them because it teaches them release from nothing and from all the works of nothing. The heavy chains that seem to bind them to despair, they do not see as nothing until you bring the light to them. And then they see the chains have disappeared 
and so they must have been nothing. And you will see it with them, because you taught them gladness and release. They will become your teachers in release and gladness. When you teach anyone that truth is true, you learn it with him. And so you learn that what seemed hardest was the easiest. Learn to be a happy learner. You will never learn how to make nothing everything. Yet see that this has been your goal and recognize how foolish it has been. Be glad it is undone, for when you look at it in simple honesty, it is undone. I said before, be not content with nothing, for you have believed that nothing would content you. It is not so. If you would be a happy learner, you must give everything you have learned to the Holy Spirit to be unlearned for you. And then begin to learn the joyous lessons that come quickly on the firm foundation that truth is true. For what is builded there is true and built on truth. The universe of learning will open up before you in all its gracious simplicity. With truth before you, you will not look back. The happy learner meets the conditions of learning here as he meets the conditions of knowledge in the kingdom. All this lies in the Holy Spirit's plan to free you from the past and open up the way to freedom for you. For truth is true. What else could ever be or ever was? This simple lesson holds the key to the dark door that you believe is locked forever. You made this door of nothing, and behind it is nothing. The key is only the light that shines away the shapes and forms and fears of nothing. Accept this key to freedom from the hands of Christ who gives it to you that you may join him in the holy task of bringing light. For like your brothers, you do not realize the light has come and freed you from the sleep of darkness. Behold your brothers in their freedom and learn of them how to be free of darkness. The light in you will waken them and they will not leave you asleep. The vision of Christ is given the very instant that it is perceived. Where everything is clear, it is all holy. The quietness of its simplicity is so compelling that you will realize it is impossible to deny the simple truth. For there is nothing else. God is everywhere, and his Son is in him with everything. Can he sing the dirge of sorrow 
when this is true. Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 3, The Decision for Guiltlessness. The happy learner cannot feel guilty about learning. This is so essential to learning that it should never be forgotten. The guiltless learner learns easily because his thoughts are free. Yet this entails the recognition that guilt is interference, not salvation, and serves no useful function at all. Perhaps you are accustomed to using guiltlessness merely to offset the pain of guilt and do not look upon it as having value in itself. You believe that guilt and guiltlessness are both of value, each representing an escape from what the other does not offer you. You do not want either alone, for without both, you do not see yourself as whole and therefore happy. Yet you are whole only in your guiltlessness and only in your guiltlessness can you be happy there is no conflict here to wish for guilt in any way in any form will lose appreciation of the value of your guiltlessness and push it from your sight there is no compromise that you can make with guilt and escape the pain that only guiltlessness Allays. Learning is living here as creating is being in heaven. Whenever the pain of guilt seems to attract you, remember that if you yield to it, you are deciding against your happiness and will not learn how to be happy. Say therefore to yourself, gently, but with the conviction born of the love of God and of his Son. What I experience, I will make manifest. If I am guiltless, I have nothing to fear. I choose to testify to my acceptance of the atonement, not to its rejection. I would accept my guiltlessness by making it manifest and sharing it. Let me bring peace to God's Son from his Father. Each day, each hour and minute, even each second, you are deciding between the crucifixion and the resurrection, between the ego and the Holy Spirit. The ego is the choice for guilt. The Holy Spirit is the choice for guiltlessness. The power of decision is all that is yours. What you can decide is between... What you can decide between is fixed because there are no alternatives except truth and illusion and there is no overlap between them because they are opposites opposites which cannot be reconciled and cannot both be true. You are guilty or guiltless, bound or free, 
unhappy, or happy. The miracle teaches you that you have chosen guiltlessness, freedom, and joy. It is not a cause, but an effect. It is the natural result of choosing right, attesting to your happiness that comes from choosing to be free of guilt. Everyone you offer healing to returns it. Everyone you attack keeps it and cherishes it by holding it against you. Whether he does this or does it not will make no difference. You will think he does. It is impossible to offer what you do not want without this penalty. The cost of giving is receiving. Either it is a penalty from which you suffer or the happy purchase of a treasure to hold dear. No penalty is ever asked of God's Son except by himself and of himself. Every chance given him to heal is another opportunity to replace darkness with light and fear with love. If he refuses it, he binds himself to darkness because he did not choose to free his brother and enter the light with him. By giving power to nothing, he throws away the joyous opportunity to learn that power the joyous opportunity to learn that nothing has no power. And by not dispelling darkness, he became afraid of dark and of light. The joy of learning that darkness has no power over the Son of God is the happy lesson the Holy Spirit teaches and would have you teach with him. It is his joy to teach it, and it will be yours. The way to teach this simple lesson is merely this. Guiltlessness is invulnerability. Therefore, make your invulnerability manifest to everyone. Teach him that, whatever he may try to do to you, your perfect freedom from the belief that you can be harmed shows him that he is guiltless. He can do nothing that can hurt you. And by refusing to allow him to think he can, you teach him that the atonement, which you have accepted for yourself, is also his. There is nothing to forgive. No one can hurt the Son of God. His guilt is wholly without cause, and being without cause cannot exist. God is the only cause, and guilt is not of him. Teach no one he has hurt you, for if you do, you teach yourself that what is not of God has power over you. The causeless cannot be. Do not attest to it, and do not foster belief in it in any mind. Remember always that mind is one and cause is one. You will learn communication with this oneness only when you learn to deny the causeless and accept the cause of God as yours. 
The power that God has given to his son is his, and nothing else can his son see or choose to look upon without imposing on himself the penalty of guilt. In the place of all the happy teaching, the Holy Spirit would gladly offer him. Whenever you choose to make decisions for yourself, you are thinking destructively, and the decision will be wrong. It will hurt you because of the concept of decision that led to it. It is not true that you can make decisions by yourself or for yourself alone. No thought of God's Son can be separate or isolated in its effects. Every decision is made for the whole sonship, directed in and out, and influencing a constellation larger than anything you ever dreamed of. Those who accept the atonement are invulnerable, but those who believe they are guilty will respond to guilt because they think it is salvation and will not refuse to see it inside with it. They believe that increasing guilt is self-protection and they will fail to understand the simple fact that what they do not want must hurt them. All this arises because they do not believe that what they want is good. Yet will has given them because it is holy and will bring to them all that they need coming as naturally as peace that knows no limits. There is nothing their will fails to provide that offers them anything of value. Yet, because they do not understand their will, the Holy Spirit quietly understands it for them and gives them what they want without effort, strain, or the impossible burden of deciding what they want and need alone. It will never happen that you must make decisions for yourself. You are not bereft of help, and help that knows the answer. Would you be content with little, which is all that you alone can offer yourself, when he who gives you everything will simply offer it to you? He will never ask what you have done to make you worthy of the gift of God. Ask it not therefore of yourself. Instead, accept his answer, for he knows that you are worthy of everything God wills for you. Do not try to escape the gift of God he so freely and so gladly offers you. He offers you but what God gave him for you. You need not decide whether or not you are deserving of it. God knows you are. Would you deny the truth of God's decision and place your pitiful appraisal of yourself in place of his calm and unswerving value of his son? Nothing can shake God's conviction of the perfect purity of everything that he created, for it is wholly pure. Do not decide against it, for being of him it must be true. 
Peace abides in every mind that quietly accepts the plan God set for its atonement, relinquishing its own. You know not of salvation, for you do not understand it. Make no decisions about what it is or where it lies, but ask the Holy Spirit everything and leave all decisions to his gentle counsel. The one who knows the plan of God that God would have you follow can teach you what it is. Only his wisdom is capable of guiding you to follow it. Every decision you undertake alone but signifies that you would define what salvation is and what you would be saved from. The Holy Spirit knows that all salvation is escape from guilt. You have no other enemy, and against this strange distortion of the purity of the Son of God, the Holy Spirit is your only friend. He is the strongest protector of the innocence that sets you free. And it is his decision to undo everything that would obscure your innocence from your unclouded mind. Let him, therefore, be the only guide that you would follow to salvation. He knows the way and leads you gladly on it. With him, you will not fail to learn that what God wills for you is your will. Without his guidance, you will think you know alone and will decide against your peace as surely as you decided that salvation lay in you alone. Salvation is of him to whom God gave it for you. He has not forgotten it. Forget him not and he will make every decision for you. For your salvation and the peace of God is in you. Seek not to appraise the worth of God's Son, whom he created holy. For to do so is to evaluate his Father and judge against him. And you will feel guilty for this imagined crime, which no one in this world or heaven could possibly commit. The Holy Spirit teaches that the that the sin of self-replacement on the throne of God is not a source of guilt. What cannot happen can have no effects to fear. Be quiet in your faith in him who loves you and would lead you out of insanity. Madness may be your choice, but not your reality. Never forget the love of God who has remembered you, for it is quite impossible that he could ever let his son drop from the loving mind wherein he was created and where his abode was fixed in perfect peace forever. Say to the Holy Spirit only, Decide for me, and it is done. For his decisions are reflections of what God knows about you, and in this light, error of any kind becomes impossible. Why would you struggle so frantically to anticipate all you cannot know 
when all knowledge lies behind every decision the Holy Spirit makes for you. Learn of his wisdom and his love and teach his answer to everyone who struggles in the dark, for you decide for them and for yourself. How gracious it is to decide all things through him whose equal love is given equally to all alike. He leaves you no one outside you, and so he gives you what is yours, because your father would have you share it with him. In everything be led by him, and do not reconsider. Trust him to answer quickly, surely, and with love for everyone who will be touched in any way by the decision. And everyone will be. Would you take onto yourself the sole responsibility for deciding what can bring only good to everyone? Would you know this? You taught yourself the most unnatural habit of not communicating with your creator. Yet you remain in close communication with him and with everything that is within him as it is within yourself. Unlearn isolation through his loving guidance and learn of all the happy communication that you have thrown away but could not lose. Whenever you are in doubt what you should do, think of his presence in you and tell yourself this and only this. He leadeth me and knows the way, which I know not. Yet he will never keep from me what he would have me learn. And so I trust him to communicate to me all that he knows for me. Then let him teach you quietly how to perceive your guiltlessness, which is already there. Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 4, Your Function in the atonement. When you accept a brother's guiltlessness, you will see the atonement in him. For by proclaiming it in him, you make it yours, and you will see what you sought. You will not see the symbol of your brother's guiltlessness shining within him while you still believe it is not there. His guiltlessness is your atonement. Grant it to him, and you will see the truth of what you have acknowledged. Yet truth is offered first to be received, even as God gave it first to his Son. The first in time means nothing, but the first in eternity is God the Father who is both first and one. Beyond the first, there is no other, for there is no order, no second or third, and nothing but the first. 
you who belong to the first cause, created by him like unto himself and part of him, are more than merely guiltless. The state of guiltlessness is only the condition in which what is not there has been removed from the disordered mind that thought it was. This state and only this must you attain with God beside you. For until you do, you will think that you are separate from him. You can perhaps feel his presence next to you but cannot know that you are one with him. This cannot be taught. Learning applies only to the condition in which it happens of itself. When you have let all that obscured the truth in your most holy mind be undone for you and therefore stand in grace before your father, He will give himself to you as he has always done. Giving himself is all he knows, and so it is all knowledge. For what he knows not cannot be, and therefore cannot be given. Ask not to be forgiven, for this has already been accomplished. Ask rather to learn how to forgive and to restore restore what always was to your unforgiving mind. Atonement becomes real and visible to those who use it. On earth, this is your only function, and you must learn that it is all you want to learn. You will feel guilty till you learn this. For in the end, whatever form it takes, your guilt arises from your failure to fulfill your function in God's mind with all of yours. Can you escape this guilt by failing to fulfill your function here? You need not understand creation to do what must be done before that knowledge would be meaningful to you. God breaks no barriers, neither did he make them. When you release them, they are gone. God will not fail, nor nor ever has in anything. Decide that God is right and you are are wrong about yourself. He created you out of himself, but still within him. He knows what you are. Remember that there is no second to him. There cannot, therefore, be anyone without his holiness, nor anyone unworthy of his perfect love. Fail not in your function of loving, in a loveless place made made out of darkness and deceit, for thus are darkness and deceit undone. Fail not yourself, but instead offer to God and you his blameless Son. For this small gift of appreciation for his love, God will himself exchange your gift for his. Before you make any decisions for yourself, remember that you have decided against your function in heaven 
and then consider carefully whether you want to make decisions here. Your function here is only to decide against deciding what you want in recognition that you do not know. How then can you decide what you should do? Leave all decisions to the one who speaks for God and for your function as he knows it. So will he teach you to remove the awful burden you have laid upon yourself by loving not the Son of God and trying to teach him guilt instead of love. Give up this frantic and insane attempt that cheats you of the joy of living with your God and Father and of waking gladly to his love and holiness that join together as the truth in you, making you one with him. When you have learned how to decide with God, all decisions become as easy as right as breathing. There is no effort, and you will be led as gently as if you were being carried down a quiet path in summer. Only your own volition seems to make deciding hard. The Holy Spirit will not delay in answering your every question what to do. He knows, and he will tell you and then do it for you. You who are tired will find this is more restful than sleep. For you can bring your guilt into sleeping, but not into this. Unless you are guiltless, you cannot know God, whose will is that you know him. Therefore, you must be guiltless. Yet if you do not accept the un. Yet, if you do not accept the necessary conditions for knowing him, you have denied him and do not recognize him, though he is all around you. He cannot be known without his son, whose guiltlessness is the condition for knowing him. Accepting his son as guilty is denial of the father so complete that knowledge is swept away from recognition in the very mind where God himself has placed it. If you would but listen and learn how impossible this is. Do not endow him with attributes you understand. You made him not, and anything you understand is not of him. Your task is not to make reality. It is here without your making, but not without you. You who have tried to throw yourself away and valued God so little, hear me speak for him and for yourself. You cannot understand how much your father loves you, for there is no parallel in your experience of the world to help you understand it. There is nothing on earth with which it can compare, and nothing you have ever felt apart from him resembles it ever so faintly. You cannot even give a blessing in perfect gentleness. 
Would you know of one who gives forever and who knows of nothing except giving? The children of heaven live in the light of the blessing of their father because they know that they are sinless. The atonement was established as the means of restoring guiltlessness to the minds that have denied it and thus denied heaven to themselves. Atonement teaches you the true condition of the Son of God. It does not teach you what you are or what your Father is. The Holy Spirit who remembers this for you, merely teaches you how to remove the blocks that stand between you and what you know. His memory is yours. If you remember what you have made, you are remembering nothing. Remembrance of reality is in him and therefore in you. The guiltless and the guilty are totally incapable of understanding one another. Each perceives the other as like himself, making both unable to communicate because each sees the other unlike the way he sees himself. God can communicate only to the Holy Spirit in your mind because only he shares the knowledge of what you are with God. And only the Holy Spirit can answer God for you, for only he knows what God is. Everything else that you have placed within your mind cannot exist, for what is not in communication with the mind of God has never been. Communication with God is life. Nothing without it is at all. Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 5, The Circle of Atonement. The only part of your mind that has reality is the part that links you still with God. Would you have all of it transformed into a radiant message of God's love to share with all the lonely ones who have denied him? God makes this possible. Would you deny his yearning to be known? You yearn for him as he for you. This is forever changeless. Accept then the immutable. Leave the world of death behind and return quietly to heaven. There is nothing of value here and everything of value there. Listen to the Holy Spirit and to God through him. He speaks of you to you. There is no guilt in you, for God is blessed in his Son as the Son is blessed in him. 
Everyone has a special part to play in the atonement, but the message given to each one is always the same. God's Son is guiltless. Each one teaches the message differently and learns it differently. Yet until he teaches it and learns it, he will suffer the pain of dim awareness that his true function remains unfulfilled in him. The burden of guilt is heavy, but God would not have you bound by it. His plan for your awaking is as perfect as yours is fallible. You know not what you do, but he who knows is with you. His gentleness is yours, and all the love you share with God he holds in trust for you. He would teach you nothing except how to be happy. Blessed son of a holy blessing father, joy was created for you. Who can condemn whom God has blessed? There is nothing in the mind of God that does not share his shining innocence. Creation is the natural extension of perfect purity. Your only calling here is to devote yourself with active willingness to the denial of guilt in all its forms. To accuse is not to understand. The happy learners of the atonement become the teachers of the innocence that is the right of all that God created. Deny them not what is their due, for you will not withhold it from them alone. The inheritance of the kingdom is the right of God's Son given him in his creation. Do not try to steal it from him or you will ask for guilt and will experience it. Protect his purity from every thought that would steal it away and keep it from his sight. Bring innocence to light in answer to the call of the atonement. Never allow purity to remain hidden, but shine away the heavy veils of guilt within which the Son of God has hidden himself from his own sight. We are all joined in the atonement here, and nothing else can unite us in this world. So will the world of separation slip away, and full communication be restored between the Father and the Son. The miracle acknowledges the guiltlessness that must have been denied to produce the need of healing. Do not withhold this glad acknowledgement for hope of happiness and release from suffering of every kind lie in it. Who is there? but wishes to be free of pain. He may not yet have learned how to exchange guilt for innocence, nor realize that only in this exchange can freedom from pain be his. Yet those who have failed to learn need teaching, not attack. To attack those who have need of teaching is to fail to learn from them. 
teachers of innocence, each in his own way, have joined together, taking their part in the unified curriculum of the atonement. There is no unity of learning goals apart from this. There is no conflict in this curriculum, which has one aim, however it is taught. Each effort made on its behalf is offered for the single purpose of release from guilt to the eternal glory of God and his creation. And every teaching that points to this points straight to heaven and the peace of God. There is no pain, no trial, no fear that teaching this can fail to overcome. The power of God himself supports this teaching and guarantees its limitless results. Join your own efforts to the power that cannot fail and must result in peace. No one can be untouched by teaching such as this. You will not see yourself beyond the power of God if you teach only this. You will not be exempt from the effects of this most holy lesson, which seeks but to restore what is the right of God's creation. From everyone whom you accord release from guilt, you will inevitably learn your innocence. The circle of atonement has no end. And you will find ever-increasing confidence in your safe inclusion in the circle with everyone you bring within its safety and its perfect peace. Peace, then, be unto everyone who becomes a teacher of peace. For peace is the acknowledgement of perfect purity, from which no one is excluded. Within its holy circle is everyone whom God created as his son. Joy is its unifying attribute, with no one left outside to suffer guilt alone. The power of God draws everyone to its safe embrace of love and union. Stand quietly within this circle and attract all tortured minds to join with you in the safety of its peace and holiness. Abide with me within it as a teacher of atonement, not of guilt. Blessed are you who teach with me. Our power comes not of us, but of our Father. In guiltlessness, we know him, as he knows us guiltless. I stand within the circle, calling you to peace. Teach peace with me, and stand with me on holy ground. Remember, for everyone your father's power that he has given him. Believe not that you cannot teach his perfect peace. Stand not outside, but join with me within. Fail not the only purpose to which my teaching calls you. 
restore to God his son as he created him by teaching him his innocence. The crucifixion had no part in the atonement. Only the resurrection became my part in it. That is the symbol of the release from guilt by guiltlessness. Whom you perceive as guilty, you would crucify. Yet you restore guiltlessness to whomever you see as guiltless. Crucifixion is always the ego's aim. It sees everyone as guilty, and by its condemnation, it would kill. The Holy Spirit sees only guiltlessness, and in his gentleness, he would release from fear and reestablish the reign of love. The power of love is in his gentleness, which is of God, and therefore cannot crucify nor suffer crucifixion. The temple you restore becomes your altar, for it was rebuilt through you. And everything you give to God is yours. Thus he creates, and thus must you restore. Each one you see you place within the holy circle of atonement or leave outside judging him fit for crucifixion or for redemption. If you bring him into the circle of purity, you will rest there with him. If you leave him without, you join him there. Judge not except in quietness which is not of you. Refuse to accept anyone as without the blessing of the atonement and bring him into it by blessing him. Holiness must be shared, for therein lies everything that makes it holy. Come gladly to the holy circle and look out in peace on all who think they are outside. Cast no one out, for here is what he seeks along with you. Come, let us join him in the holy place of peace, which is for all of us, united as one within the cause of peace. Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 6, The Light of Communication. The journey that we undertake together is the exchange of dark for light, of ignorance for understanding. Nothing you understand is fearful. It is only in darkness and in ignorance that you perceive the frightening and shrink away from it to further darkness. And yet it is only the hidden that can terrify, not for what it is, but for its hiddenness. The obscure is frightening because you do not understand its meaning. If you did... 
it would be clear and you would no longer be no longer in the dark. Nothing has hidden value for what is hidden cannot be shared and so its value is unknown. The hidden is kept apart but value always lies in joint appreciation. What is concealed cannot be loved and so it must be feared. The quiet light in which the Holy Spirit dwells within you is merely perfect openness in which nothing is hidden and therefore nothing is fearful. Attack will always yield to love if it is brought to love not hidden from it. There is no darkness that the light of love will not dispel unless it is concealed from love's benefice. What is kept apart from love cannot share its healing power because it has been separated off and kept in darkness. The sentinels of darkness watch over it carefully and you who made these guardians of illusion out of nothing are now afraid of them. Would you continue to give imagined power to these strange ideas of safety? They are neither safe nor unsafe. They do not protect, neither do they attack. They do nothing at all, being nothing at all. As guardians of darkness and of ignorance, look to them only for fear, for what they keep obscure is fearful. But let them go, and what was fearful will be so no longer. Without protection of obscurity, only the light of love remains, for only this has meaning and can live in light. Everything else must disappear. Death yields to life simply because destruction is not true. The light of guiltlessness shines guilt away because when they are brought together, the truth of one must make the falsity of its opposite perfectly clear. Keep not guilt and guiltlessness apart for your belief that you can have them both is meaningless. All you have done by keeping them apart is lose their meaning by confusing them with each other. And so you do not realize that only one means anything. The other is wholly without sense of any kind. You have regarded the separation as a means for breaking your communication with your father. The Holy Spirit reinterprets it as a means of reestablishing what was not broken, but has been made obscure. All things you made have use to him for his most holy purpose. He knows you are not separate from God, but he perceives much in your mind and lets you think you are. All this and nothing else would he separate from you. The power of decision, which you made in place of the power of creation, he would teach you how to use on your behalf. You who made it to crucify yourself must learn of him how to apply it to the holy cause of restoration. You who speak in dark and devious symbols 
Do not understand the language you have made. It has no meaning, for its purpose is not communication, but rather the disruption of communication. If the purpose of language is communication, how can this tongue mean anything? Yet even this strange and twisted effort to communicate through not communicating holds enough of love to make it meaningful if its interpreter is not its maker. You who made it are but expressing conflict from which the Holy Spirit would release you. Leave what you would communicate to him. He will interpret it to you with perfect clarity for he knows with whom you are in perfect communication. You know not what you say, and so you know not what is said to you. Yet your interpreter perceives the meaning in your alien language. He will not attempt to communicate the meaningless, but he will separate out all that has meaning, dropping off the rest and offering your true communication to those who would communicate as truly with you. You speak two languages at once, and this must lead to unintelligibility. Yet if one means nothing and the other everything, only that one is possible for purposes of communication. The other but interferes with it. The Holy Spirit's function is entirely communication. He therefore must remove whatever interferes with communication in order to restore it. Therefore, keep no source of interference from his sight, for he will not attack your sentinels. But bring them to him, and let his gentleness teach you that, in the light, they are not fearful and cannot serve to guard the dark doors behind which nothing at all is carefully concealed. We must open all doors and let the light come streaming through. There are no hidden chambers in God's temple. Its gates are wide Its gates are open wide to greet his son. No one can fail to come where God has called him. If he close not the door himself upon his father's welcome. Welcome to the reading. A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 7, Sharing Perception with the Holy Spirit. What do you want? Light or darkness? Knowledge or ignorance are yours, but not both. Opposites must be brought together, not kept apart. For their separation is only in your mind, and they are reconciled by union, as you are. In union, everything that is not real must disappear, 
for truth is union. As darkness disappears in light, so ignorance fades away when knowledge dawns. Perception is the medium by which ignorance is brought to knowledge. Yet the perception must be without deceit, for otherwise it becomes the messenger of ignorance rather than a helper in the search for truth. The search for truth is but the honest searching out of everything that interferes with truth. Truth is. It can neither be lost nor sought nor found. It is there, wherever you are, being within you. Yet it can be recognized or unrecognized, real or false to you. If you hide it, it becomes unreal to you because you hid it and surrounded it with fear. Under each cornerstone of fear on which you have erected in, erected your insane system of belief, the truth lies hidden. Yet you cannot know this, for by hiding truth and fear, you see no reason to believe that the more you look at fear, the less you see it, and the clearer what it conceals becomes. It is not possible to convince the unknowing that they know. From their point of true, from their point of view, it is not true. Yet it is true because God knows it. These are clearly opposite viewpoints on what the unknowing are. To God, unknowing is impossible. It is therefore not a point of view at all, but merely a belief in something that does not exist. It is only this belief that the unknowing have, and by it they are wrong about themselves. They have defined themselves as they were not created. Their creation was not a point of view, but rather a certainty. Uncertainty brought to certainty does not retain any conviction of reality. Our emphasis has been on bringing what is undesirable to the desirable, what you do not want to what you do. You will realize that salvation must come to you this way if you consider what disassociation is. Dissociation is a distorted process of thinking whereby two systems of belief which cannot coexist are both maintained. If they are brought together, their joint acceptance becomes impossible. But if one is kept in darkness from the other, their separation seems to keep them both alive and equal in their reality. Their joining thus becomes a source of fear. For if they meet, acceptance must be withdrawn from one of them. 
you cannot have them both, for each denies the other. Apart, this fact is lost from sight, for each in a separate place can be endowed with firm belief. Bring them together, and the fact of their complete incompatibility is instantly apparent. One will go because the other is seen in the same place. Light cannot enter darkness when a mind believes in darkness and will not let it go. Truth does not struggle against ignorance and love does not attack fear. What needs no protection does not defend itself. Defense is of your making. God knows it not. The Holy Spirit uses defenses on behalf of truth only because you made them against it. His perception of them, according to his purpose, merely changes them into a call for what you have attacked with them. Defenses, like everything you made, must be gently turned to your own good, translated by the Holy Spirit from means of self-destruction to means of preservation, preservation and release. His task is mighty, but the power of God is with him. Therefore, to him, it is so easy that it was accomplished the instant it was given him for you. Do not delay in your return to peace by wondering how he can fulfill what God has given him to do. Leave that to him who knows. You are not asked to do mighty tasks yourself. You are merely asked to do the little he suggests you do, trusting him only to the small extent of believing that if he asks it, you can do it. You will see how easily all that he asks can be accomplished. The Holy Spirit asks of you but this, bring to him every secret you have locked away from him. Open every door to him and bid him enter the darkness and lighten it away. At your request, he enters gladly. He brings the light to darkness if you make the darkness open to him. But what you hide, he cannot look upon. He sees for you. And unless you look with him, he cannot see. The vision of Christ is not for him alone, but for him with you. Bring, therefore, all your dark and secret thoughts to him and look upon them with him. He holds the light and you the darkness. They cannot coexist when both of you together look on them. His judgment must prevail and he will give it to you as you join your perception to his. Joining with him and seeing is the way in which you learn to share with him 
the interpretation of perception that leads to knowledge. You cannot see alone. Sharing perception with him, whom God has given you, teaches you how to recognize what you see. It is the recognition that nothing you see means anything alone. Seeing with him will show you that all meaning, including yours, comes not from double vision, but from the gentle fusing of everything into one meaning, one emotion, and one purpose. God has one purpose which he shares with you. The single vision which the Holy Spirit offers you will bring this oneness to your mind with clarity and brightness so intense you could not wish for all the world not to accept what God would have you have. Behold your will, accepting it as his, with all his love as yours. All honor to you through him, and through him unto God. Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 8, The Holy Meeting Place. In the darkness you have obscured the glory God gave you and the power he bestowed upon his guiltless son. All this lies hidden in every darkened place, shrouded in guilt and in the dark denial of innocence. Behind the dark doors you have closed lies nothing, because nothing can obscure the gift of God. It is the closing of the doors that interferes with recognition of the power of God that shines in you. Banish not power from your mind, but let all that would hide your glory be brought to the judgment of the Holy Spirit and there undone. Whom he would save for glory is saved for it. He has promised the Father that through him you would be released from littleness to glory. To what he promised God, he is wholly faithful, for he shares with God the promise that was given him to share with you. He shares it still for you. Everything that promises otherwise, great or small, however much or little valued, he will replace with the one promise given unto him to lay upon the altar to your father and his son. No altar stands to God without his son, and nothing brought there that is not equally worthy of both, but will be replaced by gifts wholly acceptable to father and to son. Can you offer guilt to God? You cannot then offer it to his son, for they are not apart, and gifts to one are offered to the other. You know not God because you know not this. And yet you do know God and also this. All this is safe within you where the Holy Spirit shines. 
He shines not in division, but in the meeting place where God, united with his Son, speaks to his Son through him. Communication between what cannot be divided cannot cease. The holy meeting place of the unseparated Father and his Son lies in the Holy Spirit and in you. All interference in the communication that God himself wills with his Son is quite impossible here. Unbroken and uninterrupted love flows constantly between the Father and the Son, as both would have it be. And so it is. Let your mind wander not through darkened corridors away from light's center. You and your brother may choose to lead yourselves astray, but you can be brought together only by the guide appointed for you. He will surely lead you to where God and his son await your recognition. They are joined in giving you the gift of oneness before which all separation vanishes. Unite with what you are. You cannot join with anything except reality. God's glory and his sons belong to you in truth. They have no opposite, and nothing else can you bestow upon yourself. There is no substitute for truth. And truth will make this plain to you as you are brought into the place where you must meet with truth. And there you must be led through gentle understanding which can lead you nowhere else. Where God is, there are you. Such is the truth. Nothing can change the knowledge given you by God into unknowingness. Everything God created knows its creator, for this is how creation is accomplished by the creator and by his creations. In the holy meeting place are joined the father and his creations and the creations of his son with them together. There is one link that joins them all together holding them in the oneness out of which creation happens. The link with which the Father joins himself to those he gives the power to create can never be dissolved. Heaven itself is union with all of creation and with its one creator. And heaven remains the will of God for you. Lay no gifts other than this upon your altars, for nothing can coexist with it. Here your little offerings are brought together with the gift of God, and only what is worthy of the Father will be accepted by the Son, for whom it is intended. To whom God gives himself, he is given. Your little gifts will vanish on the altar where he has placed his own.
Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 9, The Reflection of Holiness. The atonement does not make holy. You were created holy. It merely brings unholiness to holiness, or what you made to what you are. Bringing illusion to truth or the ego to God is the Holy Spirit's only function. Keep not your making from your Father, for hiding it has cost you knowledge of him and of yourself. The knowledge is safe, but where is your safety apart from it? The making of time to take the place of timelessness lay in the decision to be not as you are. Thus truth was made past and the present was dedicated to illusion, and the past too was changed and interposed between what always was and now. The past that you remember never was, and represents only the denial of what always was. Bringing the ego to God is but to bring error to truth, where it stands corrected because it is the opposite of what it meets. It is undone because the contradiction can no longer stand. How long can contradiction stand when its impossible nature is clearly revealed? What disappears in light is not attacked. It merely vanishes because it is not true. Different realities are meaningless, for reality must be one. It cannot change with time or mood or chance. Its changelessness is what makes it real. This cannot be undone. Undoing is for unreality. And this reality will do for you. Merely by being what it is, does truth release you from everything that it is not. The atonement is so gentle, you need but whisper to it, and all its power will rush to your assistance and support. You are not frail with God beside you. Yet without him, you are nothing. The atonement offers you God. The gift that you refused is held by him in you. The Holy Spirit holds it there for you. God has not left his altar, though his worshipers placed other gods upon it. The temple still is holy, for the presence that dwells within it is holiness. In the temple, holiness waits quietly for the return of them that love it. The presence knows they will return to purity and to grace. The graciousness of God will take them gently in and cover all their sense of pain and loss with the immortal assurance of their father's love. Their fear of death will be replaced with joy of life.
for God is life, and they abide in life. Life is as holy as the holiness by which it was created. The presence of holiness lives in everything that lives, for holiness created life, and leaves not what it created holy as itself. In this world, you can become a spotless mirror in which the holiness of your creator shines forth from you to all around you. You can reflect heaven here. Yet no reflections of the images of other gods must dim the mirror that would hold God's reflection in it. Earth can reflect heaven or hell, God or the ego. You need but leave the mirror clean and clear all of the images of hidden darkness you have drawn upon it. God will shine upon it of himself. Only the clear reflection of himself can be perceived upon it. Reflections are seen in light. In darkness, they are obscure, and their meaning seems to lie only in shifting interpretations rather than in themselves. The reflection of God needs no interpretation. It is clear. Clean, but the mirror, and the message that shines forth from what the mirror holds out for everyone to see, no one can fail to understand. It is the message that the Holy Spirit is holding to the mirror that is in him. He recognizes it because he has been taught his need for it, but knows not where to look to find it. Let him then see it in you and share it with you. Could you but realize for a a single instant the power of the he- the power of healing that the reflection of god shining in you can bring to all the world you could not wait to make the mirror of your mind clean to receive the image of the holiness that heals the world the image of holiness that shines in your mind is not obscure and will not change. Its meaning to those who look upon it is not obscure, for everyone perceives it as the same. All bring their different problems to its healing light, and all their problems find but healing there. The response of holiness to any form of error is always the same. There is no contradiction in what holiness calls forth. Its one response is healing, without regard for what is brought to it. Those who have learned to offer only healing because of the reflection of holiness in them are ready at last for heaven. There, holiness is not a reflection but rather the actual condition of what was but reflected to them here. God is no image, and his creations, as part of him, hold him in them in truth. They do not merely reflect truth, 
for they are truth. Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 10, The Equality of Miracles. When no perception stands between God and his creations, or between his children and their own, the knowledge of creation must continue forever. The reflections you accept into the mirror of your mind in time, but bring eternity nearer or farther. But eternity itself is beyond all time. Reach out of time and touch it with the help of its reflection in you. And you will turn from time to holiness as surely as the reflection of holiness calls everyone to lay all guilt aside. Reflect the peace of heaven here and bring this world to heaven. For the reflection of truth draws everyone to truth. And as they enter into it, they leave all reflections behind. In heaven, Reality is shared and not reflected. By sharing its reflection here, its truth becomes the only perception the Son of God accepts. And thus, remembrance of his Father dawns on him, and he can no longer be satisfied with anything but his own reality. You on earth have no conception of limitlessness, for the world you seem to live in is a world of limits. In this world, it is not true that anything without order of difficulty can occur. The miracle, therefore, has a unique function and is motivated by a unique teacher who brings the laws of another world to this one. The miracle is the one thing you can do that transcends order, being based not on differences, but on equality. Miracles are not in competition, and the number of them that you can do is limitless. They can be simultaneous and legion. This is not difficult to understand once you conceive of them as possible at all. What is more difficult to grasp is the lack of order of difficulty that stamps the miracle as something that must come from elsewhere, not from here. From the world's viewpoint, this is impossible. Perhaps you have been aware of lack of competition among your thoughts, which even though they may conflict, can occur together and in great numbers. You may indeed be so used to this that it causes you little surprise. Yet you are also used to classifying some of your thoughts as more important, larger, or better, wiser, or more productive and valuable than others. This is true of the thoughts that cross the mind of those who think they live apart. For some are reflections of heaven, while others are motivated by the ego, 
which but seems to think. The result is a weaving, changing pattern that never rests and is never still. It shifts unceasingly across the mirror of your mind, and the reflections of heaven last but a moment and grow dim as darkness blots them out. Where there was light, darkness removes it in an instant, and alternating patterns of light and darkness sweep constantly across your mind. The little sanity that still remains is held together by a sense of order that you establish. Yet the very fact that you can do this and bring any order into chaos shows you that you are not an ego and that more than an ego must be in you. For the ego is chaos, and if it were all of you, no order at all would be possible. Yet, though the order you impose upon your mind limits the ego, it also limits you. To order is to judge, and to arrange by judgment. Therefore, it is not your function, but the Holy Spirit's. It will seem difficult for you to learn that you have no basis at all for ordering your thoughts. This lesson the Holy Spirit teaches by giving you the shining examples of miracles to show you that your way of ordering is wrong, but that a better way is offered you. The miracle offers exactly the same response to every call for help. It does not judge the call. It merely recognizes what it is and answers accordingly. It does not consider which call is louder or greater or more important. You may wonder how you who are still bound to judgment can be asked to do that which requires no judgment of your own. The answer is very simple. The power of God, and not of you, engenders miracles. The miracle itself is but the witness that you have the power of God in you. That is the reason why the miracle gives equal blessings to all who share in it. And that is also why everyone shares in it. The power of God is limitless. And being always maximal, it offers everything to every call from anyone. There is no order of difficulty here. A call for help is given help. The only judgment involved is the Holy Spirit's one division into two categories. One of love and the other the call for love. You cannot safely make this division, for you are much too confused either to recognize love or to believe that everything else is nothing but a call for love. You are too bound to form and not too content. What you consider content is not content at all. It is merely form and nothing else. For you do not respond to what a brother really offers you, but only to the particular perception of his offering by which the ego judges it. The ego is incapable of understanding content and is totally unconcerned with it.
to the ego, if the form is acceptable, the content must be. Otherwise, it will attack the form. If you believe you understand something of the dynamics of the ego, let me assure you that you understand nothing of it. For of yourself, you could not understand it. The study of the ego is not the study of the mind. In fact, the ego enjoys studying itself and thoroughly approves the undertakings of students who would analyze it, thus approving its importance. Yet they but study form with meaningless content, for their teacher is senseless. Though careful to conceal this fact behind impressive sounding words, but which lack any consistent sense when they are put together. This is characteristic of the ego's judgments. Separately, they seem to hold, but put them together in the system of thought that arises from joining them is incoherent and utterly chaotic. For form is not enough for meaning, and the underlying lack of content makes a cohesive system impossible. Separation, therefore, remains the ego's chosen condition, for no one alone can judge the ego truly. Yet when two or more join together in searching for truth, the ego can no longer defend its lack of content. The fact of union tells them it is not true. It is impossible to remember God in secret and alone. For remembering him means you are not alone and are willing to remember it. Take no thought for yourself, for no thought you hold is for yourself. If you would remember your father, let the Holy Spirit order your thoughts and give only the answer with which he answers you. Everyone seeks for love as you do but knows it not unless he joins with you in seeking it. If you undertake the search together, you bring with you a light so powerful that what you see is given meaning. The lonely journey fails because it has excluded what it would find. As God communicates to the Holy Spirit in you, so does the Holy Spirit. Spirit translate his communications through you so you can understand them. God has no secret communications, for everything of him is perfectly open and freely accessible to all, being for all. Nothing lives in secret, and what you would hide from the Holy Spirit is nothing. Every interpretation you would lay upon a brother is senseless. Let the Holy Spirit show him to you and teach you both his love and his call for love. Neither his mind nor yours holds more than these two orders of thought. The miracle is the recognition that this is true. Where there is love, Your brother must give it to you because of what it is. But where there is a call for love, you must give it because of what you are. Earlier, I said this course will teach you how to remember what you are, 
restoring you, restoring to you your identity. We have already learned that this identity is shared. The miracle becomes the means of sharing it. By supplying your identity wherever it is not recognized, you will recognize it. And God himself, who wills to be with his son forever, will bless each recognition of his son with all the love he holds for him. Nor will the power of all his love be absent from any miracle you offer to his son. How then can there be any order of difficulty among them? Welcome to the reading, A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Part 11, The Test of Truth. Yet the essential thing is learning that you do not know. Knowledge is power and all power is of God. You who have tried to keep power for yourself have lost it. You still have the power, but you have interposed so much between it and your awareness of it that you cannot use it. Everything you have taught yourself has made your power more and more obscure to you. You know not what it is nor where. You have made a semblance of power and a show of strength so pitiful that it must fail you. For power is not a seeming strength, and truth is beyond semblance of any kind. Yet all that stands between you and the power of God in you is but your learning of the false and of your attempts to undo the true. Be willing, then, for all of it to be undone, and be glad that you are not bound to it forever. For you have taught yourself how to imprison the Son of God, a lesson so unthinkable that only the insane, in deepest sleep, could even dream of it. Can God learn how not to be God And can his son, given all power by him, learn to be powerless? What have you taught yourself that you can possibly prefer to keep in place of what you have and what you are? Atonement teaches you how to escape forever from everything that you have taught yourself in the past by showing you only what you are now. Learning has been accomplished before its effects are manifest. Learning is therefore in the past, but its influence determines the present by giving it whatever meaning it holds for you. Your learning gives the present no meaning at all. Nothing you have ever learned can help you understand the present or teach you how to undo the past. Your past is what you have taught yourself. Let it all go. 
Do not attempt to understand any event or anything or anyone in its light, for the darkness in which you try to see can only obscure. Put no confidence at all in darkness to illuminate your understanding, for if you do, you contradict the light and thereby think you see the darkness. Yet darkness cannot be seen, for it is nothing more than a condition in which seeing becomes impossible. You, who have not yet brought all of the darkness you have taught yourself into the light in you, can hardly judge the truth and value of this course. Yet God did not abandon you, and so you have another lesson sent from him, already learned for every child of light by him to whom God gave it. This lesson shines with God's glory, for in it lies his power, which he shares so gladly with his son. Learn of his happiness, which is yours. But to accomplish this, all your dark lessons must be brought willingly to truth and joyously laid down by hands open to receive, not closed to take. Every dark lesson that you bring to him who teaches light, he will accept from you because you do not want it. And he will gladly exchange each one for the bright lesson he has learned for you. Never believe that any lesson you have learned apart from him means anything. You have one test as sure as God by which to recognize if what you learned is true. If you are wholly free of fear of any kind, and if all those who meet or even think of you share in your perfect peace, then you can be sure that you have learned God's lesson and not your own. Unless all this is true, there are dark lessons in your mind that hurt and hinder you, and everyone around you. The absence of perfect peace means but one thing. You think you do not will for God's Son what his Father wills for him. Every dark lesson teaches this in one form or another, and each bright lesson with which the Holy Spirit will replace the dark ones you do not accept teaches you that you will with the Father and His Son. Do not be concerned about how you can learn a lesson so completely different from everything you have taught yourself. How would you know? Your part is very simple. You need only recognize that everything you learned you do not want. Ask to be taught and do not use your experiences to confirm what you have learned. When your peace is threatened or disturbed in any way, say to yourself, I do not know what anything, including this, means. 
and so I do not know how to respond to it. And I will not use my own past learning as the light to guide me now. By this refusal to attempt to teach yourself what you do not know, the guide whom God has given you will speak to you. He will take his rightful place in your awareness the instant you abandon it and offer it to him. You cannot be your guide to miracles, for it is you who made them necessary. And because you did, the means on which you can depend for miracles has been provided for you. God's son can make no needs his father will not meet, if he but turn to him ever so little. Yet he cannot compel his son to turn to him and remain himself. It is impossible that God lose his identity, for if he did, you would lose yours. And being yours, he cannot change himself, for your identity is changeless. The miracle acknowledges his changelessness by seeing his son as he always was, and not as he would make himself. The miracle brings the effects that only guiltlessness can bring and thus establishes the fact that guiltlessness must be. How can you, so firmly bound to guilt and committed to remain, establish for yourself your guiltlessness? That is impossible. But be sure that you are willing to acknowledge that it is impossible. It is only because you think that you can run some little part or deal with certain aspects of your life alone that the guidance of the Holy Spirit is limited. Thus would make you thus you make him undependable and use this fancied undependability as an excuse for keeping certain dark lessons from him. And by so limiting the guidance that you would accept, you are unable to depend on miracles to answer all your problems for you. Do you think that what the Holy Spirit would have you give, he would withhold from you? You have no problems that he cannot solve by offering you a miracle. Miracles are for you. And every fear or pain or trial you have has been undone. He has brought all of them to light, having accepted them instead of you and recognized they never were. There are no dark lessons he has not already lightened for you. The lessons you would teach yourself he has corrected already. They do not exist in his mind at all, for the past binds him not, and therefore binds not you. He does not see time as you do, and each miracle he offers you corrects your use of time and makes it his. 
he who has freed you from the past would teach you are free of it. He would but have you accept his accomplishments as yours because he did them for you. And because he did, they are yours. He has made you free of what you made. You can deny him, but you cannot call on him in vain. He always gives his gifts in place of yours. He would establish his bright teaching so firmly in your mind that no dark lesson of guilt can abide in what he has established as holy by his presence. Thank God that he is there and works through you, and all his works are yours. He offers you a miracle with everyone you let him do through you. God's Son will always be indivisible. And as we are held as one in God, so do we learn as one in him. God's teacher is as like to his creator as is his son, and through his teacher does God proclaim his oneness and his sons. Listen in silence and do not raise your voice against him, for he teaches the miracle of oneness, and before his lesson, division disappears. Teach like him here, and you will remember that you have always created like your father. The miracle of creation has never ceased, having the holy stamp of immortality upon it. This is the will of God for all creation, and all creation joins in willing this. Those who remember always that they know nothing and who have become willing to learn everything will learn it. But whenever they trust themselves, they will not learn. They have destroyed their motivation for learning by thinking they already know. Think not you understand anything until you pass the test of perfect peace. For peace and understanding go together and can never and never can be found alone. Each brings the other with it. For it is the law of God, they be not separate. They are cause and effect, each to the other. So where one is absent, the other cannot be. Only those who recognize they cannot know unless the effects of understanding are with them can really learn at all. For this it must be peace they want and nothing else. Whenever you think you know, peace will depart from you because you have abandoned the teacher of peace. Whenever you fully realize that you do not know, peace will return for you will have invited him to do so by abandoning the ego on behalf of him. Call not upon the ego for anything. It is only this that you need do. 
The Holy Spirit will, of himself, fill every mind that so makes room for him. If you want peace, you must abandon the teacher of attack. The teacher of peace will never abandon you. You can desert him, but he will never reciprocate, for his faith in you is his understanding. It is as firm as is his faith in his creator, and he knows that faith in his creator must encompass faith in his creation. In this consistency lies his holiness, which he cannot abandon, for it is not his will to do so. With your perfection ever in his sight, he gives the gift of peace to everyone who perceives the need for peace and who would have it. Make way for peace and it will come. For understanding is in you, and from it peace must come. The power of God from which they both arise is yours as surely as it is his. You think you know him not, only because alone it is impossible to know him. Yet, See the mighty works that he will do through you, and you must be convinced you did them through him. It is impossible to deny the source of effects so powerful they could not be of you. Leave room for him, and you will find yourself so filled with power that nothing will prevail against your peace. And this will be the test by which you recognize that you have understood.